0: And uh, we are excited uh, about this. We've already gone over some of some of the um, context of of this um, of this passage of scripture, Um, but we we wanted to uh, I want to give you a little bit of uh, an idea of where we're heading. Um, I want to I want to show you a picture uh, or a a map of the three different kingdoms. Um, There's a map of Edom at the very bottom. And then there's a map of Judah, map of Israel. These three kingdoms on the left, um, not, not including uh, the Philistines, the Gaza Strip there, but these three kingdoms were coming down through a desertous region. I could show you the area. I think we have a picture of the area they were coming through. Um, they were going around. Um, that's that's Edom there. They were going through the kingdom of Eden, Edom, and they were, they were kind of cutting to the back of Portion of the kingdom of Moab, trying to do a surprise attack, and that's where we find ourselves in the story today. Three kings going up against one rebellious uh, group of people, and uh, and they're taking um, on this challenge. And uh, you know, as I look out today, there are lots of challenges, and uh, I want you to see how how God gives us this narrative. We said in the very first week that that um, Elijah and Elisha were the defibrillator for the heart of the nation of Israel. They were trying to wake Israel back up uh, to the heart of God. And uh, today we're going to see how uh, Elisha is someone who is pointing um, them back to God in in a real way. But I want to read this one verse that says in, uh, in Psalm 37, 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way few verses down it says the law of god is in his heart and none of his steps shall fall i really believe that we'll see how this principle of taking the next step is seen in our passage today uh, elisha giving the word of god giving the next step to three different kings let's pray god i pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word lord you have made us to look at narrative and see ourselves in the story I pray that that would happen today, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God is, is working through the life of Elisha in some powerful ways. Uh, the last couple weeks, we've seen how uh, lightning has fallen from, from heaven in, in a very powerful way. Lightning has struck 102 uh, people and then you see there's there's a, a couple uh, things there's like five miracles we studied last week uh, where where he's throwing salt into a, uh, a into a well and it's curing the well and he's uh, rescuing uh, some you know some some people from uh, from death and from disease and God's just using elisha in a powerful way. Now elisha is sitting there in his uh, in his you know place of residence there in Samaria and he's he's not realizing that just a few hundred miles away there are three armies that's that are marching through a desertous region they've run out of water and now they're in this desertous region they're dying of thirst how many of you have ever been really thirsty i mean you were like man i'm i'm so thirsty my tongue's like sandpaper you know he's just been so thirsty. Out here in the desert when I first moved out here, I, I didn't realize, man, uh, it's so easy to get dehydrated out here. I mean, you you got to drink a lot of food. And every once in a while, I'll see some of these guys, you know, they'll have like a a, a whole gallon jug of water, you know, I'm not going to get dehydrated today, you know. And and it's just, you know, they were thirsty. And and God does a miracle to quench their thirst. But the, the, the things leading up to that miracle, I think you'll really identify with um, and, and so there's a couple things that I, I want you to see in this passage of Scripture, but they all surround the obedience to the Word of God. They're going to come to, the, to the, uh, the prophet of God, and they are going to hear the Word of God. Now, the reason why I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. But the reason why they went to the prophet is they did not have the written word of God. You have the written word of God. How many of you are thankful that you have a written copy of the word of God? That is a blessing. And and, and we are a a family of faith that's focused on the word of God and living out the word of God. And, And so in order to allow the word of God to direct us, we have to be taking the steps that the word of God is pointing us to take. That's why I just read, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It it just goes without saying that God can't order someone's steps who are not taking steps. That's really simple, but it's true. God takes uh, really, really great um, care of us, and he loves us, and he'll never love us any less than he loves us right now, but he can only bless us as we're living a life of obedience. And, And so... There are two types of people in this world. And this is our key thought as we begin. There are step takers and there are excuse makers, but we can't be both. Okay? So we're either going to be step takers or excuse makers. We can't be both. And there are two groups of people in this passage there are step takers, there are people who are taking steps of obedience. And there are people who are making excuses and blaming God, and, and, and they're just, you know, kind of afraid of what's going to happen next, and, and, and it's falling into two categories. Now, I put a verse in, the, in your notes here, Proverbs 22 and verse 12, and it says that the Lord, the, the eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, meaning God, God takes care of the truth, all right? The first week we talked about that, the truth, right? It sets us free. But he overthroweth the words of the transgressor. The transgressor is, uh, it's a really interesting word. It's a devious person, you know, someone someone who's who's crafty, someone who's 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 wanting to trick someone else, right? Have you ever met someone you're like, man, I just don't trust that person. Like, it's just a kind of a kind of a devious person. Well, the devious person, those words are overthrown by the words of knowledge that God preserves. God gives His truth. In fact, uh, Psalm twelve verse six and seven says, "The truth of the Lord is found in every generation." The 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 it 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 is forever, forever, and ever Uh, the the truth of God continues, right? So we have that. But it only continues as long as we are continuing it in our lives, okay? So as we go through this narrative, I I want you to see the examples that God's giving us of people who are afraid of truth and people who are wanting to live and seek the truth. Because the rest of this verse says, the slothful man, Proverbs 22, 13, the slothful man, the lazy man, the, the man that that, that, that doesn't want to engage, he says, there's a lion without, I shall not go into the street. Listen, he's like, I might encounter a lion, so I'm just going to stay in bed. <laughs> there might be a, a, a risk at getting out of my comfort zone and going to work and doing what I need to do, so I'm just going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the high ground. I'm just going to be safe, right? And in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see how, listen, they, they there was no safe zone with what God had told them to do. God brought them to the brink of their ability so that he could show his unchanging love. So there are three ways to be a step taker in this passage. I want you to see it uh, today. And uh, I want you to notice this. Number one, we need to set the direction. Set the direction. Um, when, whenever you go on a journey, you, you know you 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 put in the destination and you punch it in. And 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 I need to explain this um, to everyone under thirty in the room. Uh, there didn't used to be that. Uh, capability. Um, we used to have these big maps, and uh, you think uh, you know it, it, it was dangerous to text and drive. Try unfolding a map and driving while you're looking at the map. okay, that was twice as dangerous. Um, and uh, I was I was driving f- uh, for my senior trip. In high school, um, there were three 15-passenger vans. There was a bunch of us going down to Florida. And I was driving, and everyone else was sleeping. I was in the head van, and my principal was sitting in the, in the passenger seat next to me. And, uh, and I was watching the map, and he said, hey, we're on the 57 now. When we get to the 24, with signs in Nashville, I, you need to take the signs to Nashville. And I saw lots of signs to Nashville. But I, but I didn't see the exit, the right exit, and so I stayed on 57. I think I have, I have a picture of that fork that I missed there. I went all the way down to Memphis, and my, my principal woke up only to see the signs, Welcome to the state of Arkansas. I had taken our entire senior trip five hours out of the way. And so instead of 18 hours and 20 minutes, it was like 23 hours and, and 30 minutes or whatever. They weren't happy with me. All right? Um, and so my, my point is this. One decision that, that, that is in the wrong direction can cause a lot of heartache and delay. And and in this passage, we're going to see a direction. They they have a physical direction. They're like, we're going to go through Edom. We're going to go around the mountains. We're going to attack them from behind. But, but, But God is going to steer them into the right direction through his word. You know, there's something that I've noticed whenever you have a car that breaks down or runs out of gas and, you know, the the power steering doesn't work. Have you ever tried to steer a car without power steering? It's actually really hard. You know, you're, 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 you're pushing the car and you're like, I'm turning, turn harder, I'm trying, right? I mean, it's really hard to steer a parked car. Let me tell you, it's impossible for God to direct you when you're not moving. It's impossible for God to lead you when you're not willing to take that next step. And so the direction that he's wanting to, to cause them to go, there's a barrier. And the number one barrier is their fear and their excuses. You know, we're living in a, in a culture of everyone making excuses. You know, I've walked into a few restaurants, uh, fast casual and, and fast food restaurants, and asked them for something that they would normally give, and they refuse to give it. And the reason they give me is COVID. Can I have an extra, uh, you know, ketchup packet? No, I'm sorry, you've already had one. Sorry, covid what does COVID have anything to do with me wanting more ketchup? Other than you just using it as an excuse. The other day I was in one of my favorite restaurants. I won't call them out because I actually like it. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want to be mean. Um, but I asked for a certain shake. They're like, oh, we discontinued that back when COVID started. I'm like, so did you link, okay, uh, mint chocolate chip to COVID? Is there a study you've done? You know, I didn't say that, okay, but I wanted to. Here's, here's the point. We all have excuses. We all use excuses. We all want to use excuses. Sorry, I can't come over. COVID. You didn't want to go over anyway. So, so, so the point is this. We, we are, we're all prone to excuses. The first woman and man in the garden, when God confronted them, what did they do? They made excuses. In fact, they they pinned on clothes with the, you know, those awkward pictures of the of the of the of the of the, of the leaves, the fig leaves, you know, appropriately placed, you know, strategically placed, okay? Those fig leaves, you know what they're a picture of? They're a picture of excuses. The excuses we make. We pin on excuses so that people, and so that we feel better about ourselves. The reality is the direction that we need to set, uh, it, it, the, the, the direction that God is setting is, is a direction that will go far beyond uh, our comfort zone, will lead us beyond those excuses, will, will bring us to confront the problems in our lives that God is wanting us to confront. So let's get into our passage today, and we're going to read uh, 2 Kings 3, verses 4 through eight and Pastor Joe's going to help us with this so so let's follow along
1: second Kings chapter 3 verses 4 through 8 and Mesha king of Moab was a sheep master and rendered unto the king of Israel a hundred thousand lambs a hundred thousand rams with the wool but it came to pass when Ahab was dead that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel And King Jehoram went out of Samaria the same time and numbered all Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Wilt thou go up with me against Moab to battle? And he said, I will go up. I am as thou art, my people as thy people, and my horses as thy horses. And he said, Which way shall we go up? And he answered, the way through the wilderness of Edom.
0: So here you have a king who is rebelling against his command, his, his commitment that he had made to the other kingdoms. It's a problem that these three kings, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and the king of Edom, they all know is going to be a problem. And, and, and if they don't confront it now, it's going to even get greater. In fact, let me just say this right off the bat, that problems don't go away. They often get worse if you're not willing to confront them. Have you ever found that out? Have you, have you learned that by now? You know, uh, problems in relationships, problems at work, you know it, it, it's tough to confront, but it's even more tough later. And so they say, you know what, we're going to deal with this. We're going to confront the king of Moab. He hasn't held up his end of the deal. And so they go, and, and they link up. And, and one of the things that they do is, is first, uh, the king of, uh, of Israel, Jehoram, he, he decides, I'm going to align my direction. I'm going to align what I'm doing with someone else. I'm going to ask for help. You know, the number one reason many people lose their direction is they don't ask for help. Uh, Je- Jehoram asked for help from this king and then and then Jehoshaphat asked for help from elisha and and they just kept asking for help. You know, when we don't admit that we need help, we lose our direction. And part of setting our direction is asking for help. But the greatest the greatest amount of help that you could ever receive is praying every single day and asking for God's help. You know, all of our failures are prayer failures all of the failures that we have when we go throughout our day and we just live life based on our own resources, many times the the fact that God is not directing us is not God's fault. It's the fact that we haven't acknowledged him. In fact, in Proverbs 3, 6, it says this, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Let's read that verse together. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You know, it's amazing to me how a lack of direction can be linked to a lack of petitioning God for his help. In my own life, in your life, we need to ask God for help. But then uh, I want you to see an action item in this. I think this is really practical and very helpful, but we need to make some decisions ahead of time to remove hesitation and temptation. And let me tell you that those moments of hesitation before a besetting sin, before a habit, before a confrontation, before something difficult that you're about to do like these kings were about to do, those moments of hesitation are the moments of doubt, are the moments of discouragement, are the moments that the devil can get in there and really put a wedge between you and your spouse, between you and the Lord, and between you and the church, and between you and what you're supposed to do. But when you make the decision ahead of time, when you say, God, I'm gonna go to church even when I don't feel like it. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read my word in the morning, even when I feel rushed, God, I'm gonna pray even when I feel like my prayers aren't being heard. I'm going to make the decision ahead of time. You know what you're doing? You're doing what Proverbs 16, 3 says commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Let's read that first part of the verse uh, together. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. There's a whole generation that wants to establish their feelings, that wants to establish their thought life, that wants to establish themselves emotionally. But you cannot establish yourself without a commitment to the Lord first. To say, God, I'm consecrating myself to you. I'm setting my direction toward you. I'm setting my way toward you. And I'm asking you to direct my path. So set your direction, number one. Number two, look at it and write in your notes, know your next step. Know your next step. And we're going to talk about what your next step is. But let's look at the next step that they had that they were faced as these three armies marched through Edom toward Moab.:
1: Second Kings chapter three, verses nine through 14. So the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they fetched a the compass of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the hosts and for the cattle that followed them. And the king of Israel said, "Alas!" Uh, that the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elijah, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elijah said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of the hosts liveth, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee, nor see thee.
0: Here you have the guys having a total different approach. These kings couldn't be more different. You have Jehoshaphat saying, isn't there a a prophet of God that we can talk to? And and, and you have Jehoram saying, we're going to die. God's brought us out here to die. God's just treating us so unfairly. I don't know about you, but I know about me. In the moments of disappointment, in the moments of despair, in the moments of disillusionment, oftentimes it's easier to blame God than to take my next step. It's easier to blame God than to say, you know, maybe I've been approaching this wrong. And and I will tell you, David's been here. He said, "God, how how long will thou, where your anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture?" He says in, in uh, Psalm uh, seventy four one, "Thou hast cast us off forever." Of course, God hadn't cast Himself off for them off forever, but he felt like that. Have you ever felt like God was asking you to do something unfair? You, that God had put you in an impossible situation. That, that it just was was wrong where you're at. Sometimes. Uh, our deepest moments of discouragement will bring thoughts about God that are not only not true they're untrue but they're also harmful to us they they're, they're dangerous questions that that if we ponder on them if we if we accept them as true uh, it will lead us to a wrong perspective about God, and that's why it's so important to have people around you. And here's an action item. Place people around you who will point you to your next step, who will inform you about who God is and why God's good in this situation, that will that will help you through a trial that's tethered to the truth. And even when you're feeling like God has let you down, they will remind you that He's never forsaken you, that He loves you, that nothing can celebrate, separate, separate you from His love. And so, that's the moment they had misstepped, they had they had, had a, had a dis- moment of disillusionment, and, and, and here's the king of Jehoram saying, God has led us here to kill us. And Jehoshaphat says, "Wait, wait a second, hold on, we don't know that. <laughs> we don't know that. And so God's word is always the key to knowing the next step. Let's say that together. God's word is always the key to knowing the next step. You know, if we don't know what to do next, we oftentimes neglect the word of God, but we should reflect it. We should say, God, how do you want me to live? Have you ever taken uh been walking and you didn't realize there was a step and you and you fell or you you just kind of jarred your back or something or or worse yet you you were you you thought there was a step like it kind of looked like it stepped and then you you know you step up and there's no step and you kind of just kind of looks a little awkward am I the only one I'm the only one I'm the only one that has it happen so so there's these moments In life, that physically you trip, physically you stumble because you had an unmet expectation either to step up or you didn't realize something was coming. Spiritually and physically and emotionally, we have those moments as well where where, where we feel like, man, a little bit disoriented. And in those moments of disorientation, there are three ways to know what our next step is through the Word of God. Number one, ask for a specific thought as you read the Bible. As you read in Proverbs, I would encourage you to read a Proverb a day or read a Psalm a week as we've been talking about. Read in the New Testament. If you're just starting off in your faith, I would encourage you reading Mark. It's very short. It's very easy to understand. Read the book of John. So as you're reading a chapter a day or half half a chapter a day or whatever, you're asking, God, give me a specific thought that, that applies to what I'm going through right now. And then ask godly people to help compare your situation to Scripture Say, hey, what I'm going through, how does it compare to Scripture? Uh, help me understand this from a biblical perspective. They came to the man of God, and they said, here's our situation. All of our armies are about to die. We're too weak to fight. We haven't had water in seven days. That's a problem. At, we've ran out of water a few days ago. You can only go a few days without water. And so, and so what do we do? They were asking for help. And, and, and then finally, ask the Holy Spirit to make your next step abundantly clear. And have the humility to, to, to receive his answer. And so the direction was set. They were going and uh, in, 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 in attacking in a certain direction. And then we see they knew the next step. He said, okay, uh, this is what God's going to have you do. And he's, he's, he's about to give the next step. And the next step was prepare to be filled. That's number three, prepare to be filled. Now, God's word will often call us to do something that seems illogical in order to receive something that we need that seems impossible. And I and I want to I want to show you through these stories in the in the second book of kings that that the illogical and the impossible are many times linked. Because God's going to bring us to the end of our own resources. God's going to bring us to a moment where we can't do it on our own because we need him in order for him to show up and do the impossible. And I want you to see what God does when these kings they, they don't have the water it takes. They don't have the resources, the strength it takes to win the battle they need to, they need to win. I want you to see what happens. Let's look in verse number 15.
1: 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 15 to 20. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind. Neither shall ye see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. And ye shall smite every fenced city and every choice city, and shall fell every good tree and stop all wells of water, and mar every good piece of land with stones. And it came to pass in the morning... When the meat offering was offered, that behold, there came water by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water.
0: Look at, the, look at verse 15. I want you to see this. When, when, when God prepares to give his word to these kings, what does the prophet Elisha ask to bring? Does he say, hey, get these guys a, a cold glass of lemonade. Get them some I mean, that's what I think that would have happened. Like, hey, bring them some water. They need water. No. What does he say? They don't need water. They need worship. Look at what he says in verse fifteen. He says, "Bring me a minstrel." Now, this word "minstrel" in, in the Hebrew it, it just means a hollowed-out wood instrument with strings, guitar. He said, "Bring me a guitar of some type. It may have been something else, right? But 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 it was the strings that you pluck. So so he said, "Bring me a musical instrument. I want you to play this musical instrument. I I want to I want to I want to get." In touch with what God has for you guys, and he does that with music. Did you know letter A, and I want you to write this down, music mends the mind. Nothing mends the mind like music, like prayer, Bible, meditation, and worship. I will tell you that that I've given you some verses in, in the passage uh, in, in your notes there uh, about how music is so important to the soul how music is is so important. And by the way, the type of music that you listen to is really, really important. Here's a key thought. Music, it it actually is a weapon. It's a weapon for good or for evil. And, And the melody, the melody that we listen to, it can either bring us closer to Christ, it can construct our heart, or it can destruct our heart. And so here's an action item. I would encourage you to to select music or search for songs that will bring your heart, mind, and soul closer to Christ. Now, I I can't tell you where the line is, and I hope the Holy Spirit will lead you, but let me help you as your pastor to, to know. Listen. If the beat is making you angry and irritated, that's probably not bringing you closer to Jesus Christ. If it's filled with vulgarity and and, and words of of just horrific proportion, listen, that's not bringing you to Christ. Good Christian music will bring you closer to Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to get some good music in your home and in your life. It mends the mind. Did did you know that scientists and and folks that work with plants have, have tied good music back to healthy plants? Did you know even animals recognize the rhythm of music? In fact, I found this week something that I think you'll enjoy. It is a beluga whale enjoying music. Let's watch this. I think that's enough. I mean, if you don't, if you don't think that beluga whale could hear the music and it is enjoying it, and you know, it's just kind of going with the rhythm of the music or whatever. Listen, even animals know the benefit of music. Listen, there's a reason why we spend uh, a good portion of our service in the morning listening to music. You say, well, I, I don't understand. I can't sing, and I listen. It's wonderful for you to be around good Christian godly music. It's important. It mends the mind. So the so the prophet of God said, hey, bring me the minstrel. Like, hey, let's have some good music. Then he says this. It's going to take some action. It, it, action opens the heart. Letter B, action opens the heart. He says in verse number 16, he says, you guys need water? Well, dig some ditches. What? Come again? Hey, we're thirsty. We're thirsty. We're trying to conserve energy and water. He says, make the valley full of ditches. Well, Elisha, maybe you haven't figured this out, but digging ditches is hard. It's hard work. Um, me and the boys were, have been in our backyard, and we've been digging some ditches and trying to plant some plants. I've been talking about how uh, Kobe's been uh, unplanting them for us, uh, but we we're replanting them. And, and and those man, when we started digging the ditches, you get about four inches. I think I have a a, a video of 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 you get about four inches under the ground. It's like concrete. We, we, had to, we had to rent a jackhammer just to break up some of the hard ground. In my backyard, I mean, it's just hard desert dirt. So digging ditches is hard. Digging ditches in the desert is even more hard. But digging ditches in the desert when you are dying of thirst, that's, that's, that's insane. And he says, I want you to dig ditches in a desert place. I want you to, I want you to work, and I'm going to bless your work. This is all seen all throughout the scriptures. We are to work out our salvation, not work for our salvation. It's salvation by grace, alone, by through faith. But but we are to work out after we are saved, after we are, are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Now it's our time uh, to work for Christ. It, it, and, and so Philippians 2.12 says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that worketh in you, but to do it. To will and to do his good pleasure and do all things without murmuring and, and disputing. I don't know if they were murmuring and disputing, but I just truly believe that uh, when uh, when the kings came back with Elisha's word and they said, all right guys, um, God's going to send water, but you got to dig a ditch first. I'm pretty sure they weren't having one of these. I'm pretty sure they weren't happy about having to go dig the ditch over and over again. Uh, every sweat drop falling to the ground saying, well, I'm a bit closer. I might as well just dig my grave because I I don't think I'm going to make it out of this, but God says, hey, listen, when you do your part, then I can do my part, and God is wanting them uh, to work so that he can work, and when we pray, we allow God to work, and the action of our faith opens our heart to receive what God has for us, and so here's a key thought. Blessings and empowerment that God wants to give. He's passionate about giving to you. The blessings and empowerment of God, they're waiting for a person or a place through which to flow. God wants to flow through you, but if you're not taking the next step, he can't. And he will not empower a disobedient servant. Uh, and, and so that's why, uh, that's why, and I love all of these verses. There's so many in, in, in scriptures, but Romans 12, says, Not soft in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And so here's an action item, and that is don't wait to take an action step uh, that God's calling you to take. Don't wait. Listen, that delay, that hesitation, um, it, it's just delaying the blessing of God, delay, delaying the empowerment of God. And so we 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 know the next step, and 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 the next step is preparing for the filling of God. And God fills us through Christ honoring music, through an action-oriented heart that wants to move, wants to work, and allow God to work. And then finally, number letter C, and then we're finished, and that is surrender strengthens the soul. Surrender strengthens the soul. Now, I want to show you what happened, and I love this story. We'll end with this. In verse number 18, this is so good, and, and listen, if you circle this in your notes, if you would, verse 18, you, you, it's in your notes there at the very front uh, of your outline. He says this, God's going to fill the, the, the valley with water, both for you to drink, your cattle to drink, uh, you know, every, everyone's going to have plenty, and that's how God does. He, he, he blesses, when he blesses, it's plenty. Verse number 18 and this, remember this is the word of the Lord. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. Man, I love that verse. Hey, listen, when God does something that's impossible, it's not hard for him. It's easy for him to to send blessing, to send filling, to send refreshment to your heart and your life. And he said, listen, the hand of the Lord is not only going to bless you, but he's going to give you victory if you obey me. If you take this next step. Let's look at what happened. In in verse number uh, 19, Uh, so he gives the promise of verse 19 and verse 20, And it came to pass. Let's read that together. And it came to pass. Every time God's word makes a promise, you just bank on it, it's going to come to pass. Every time God says he's going to bless your next step, you bank on it, it's going to come to pass. I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I do believe that God prospers those who take the next step. God prospers those who live by faith, by grace, alone. And I will tell you that in this moment, uh, when they were digging the ditches, I believe it took them all night. And then this is what it says in verse 20, it came to pass in the morning when the when the meat offering was offered The moment of sacrifice, the moment of of surrender, the moment of saying, God, this is our moment. We need water. We're dying of thirst. There came water by way of Edom. It did not come from the north. It did not flow from a normal spring where you would think it would flow. It it, it, It flowed uphill. It came from the south. It came from a desert region. It came from the most unlikely of sources. God provided filling for them from an unlikely source. And I'm here to tell you that God wants to provide filling in your life and fulfillment. He wants to allow you to have the blessing and empowerment of a blessed life. But friend, he cannot bless disobedience. He cannot bless an excuse maker. He wants to bless a step taker. And the next step, the next step is the most important. And so here's the takeaway, and it is this. The next step is the only step that matters right now. Listen, there's a lot of steps that matter. There's a lot of things I know that you want to do and that you feel led to do. But I will tell you from the authority of the word of God that God wants you to focus on one thing and don't lose it, and that is your next step. And man, I'm so proud of so many who are taking next steps. I don't know what your next step is, but I believe God will show it to you. It might be baptism. That might be your next step. We, we had one who was baptized this morning and he just wanted to take his next step. He couldn't wait. He said, man, I, don't even, I want to take this right now. What a blessing to have someone who's wanted to take their next step. It might be discipleship. It might be a, a Bible study. It might be reading your Bible tomorrow morning. That might be your next step to say, God, every single day I'm going to get in your word. It might be uh, making a habit of praying and bringing your petitions before the Lord. Whatever your next step is, don't let Satan delay you from taking that step today. Don't wait till tomorrow to obey God today. Man, listen, God want, God's calling you to a life of obedience and faith. And, and, and as you live a life of obedience, his blessing will flow into you every moment of the day. And so here's an action item, and, and we'll pray. For every moment of fear, for every moment of emptiness, for every moment of, of difficulty, disappointment, whatever it might be, I would encourage you to have an equal moment of surrender and asking for strength. God, I just surrender this to you. I don't know how it's going to happen. I, I, I don't know why it happened. God, I don't know what to do next, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever you want me to do today, and I'm going to worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. See, Satan wants us to get so fearful and so anxious and so overwhelmed with everything that has to be done that we miss, this is my next step. May we be people of faith that just says, I don't know about all the steps, but I'm going to take the next one. And I'm going to, I'm just going to keep digging and I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep obeying God. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to let him uh, bring the result. I'm going to let him bring the blessing from my obedience. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle findnewlife. Have an amazing day.